Hello, hello. I'm Lori Alvarez, and I welcome you to Real Estate with Soul, the podcast. This is where I will share my story, knowledge, wisdom, and the legacy in real estate, and my family, all boldly wrapped up in one with you. So let's get started. Hey, hey, guys. It's Lori Alvarez and my sister, Amy Cruz. Oh, our lovely buyer's agent. We have a wonderful, exciting new guest today on the show, sister. We've got Rebecca Larson. Now, Rebecca, hi, hello, hello. how are you? Woo. Well, I'm I'm doing just fine. Thanks so much for having me this morning. I am excited to have you on the show. So give me your appropriate title, because as I visited your website, I, real estate attorney would be appropriate. What would be the best way to describe? Uh, the best way to describe me is the lawyer in your pocket. <laughs> so that's like one of my favorite things is like whenever you have an issue, like you can text me, you can call me, you can email me and you always have your phone in your pocket. Oh so it's the lawyer goodness. in your pocket. I love that. We could, we, we could swipe that and say the realtor in your pocket. Yeah. <laughs> if that's okay with you. Totally fine. <laughs> but I mean, it is such a truth, right? And, yeah. and you don't, you don't have direct access to attorneys in that way. At least that's been my previous experience with any attorney I've worked with. Um, is that they're not readily available and you know, they bill by the hour. Yeah. I don't do any of that. I know I was visiting your website and I was like, wow, she has such a different business plan than the standard real estate attorney. So here's, here's where I want to start, Rebecca. Um, I loved one how you fell into the business. You talked a little bit about that, but I really want to get clarity for our clients right now because we are in the state of California and I know you're licensed in three different states, correct? That's right. California, Excellent. Virginia, and DC. Yeah. Awesome. And we're, we're one of those weird states that doesn't require a real estate attorney to transfer property. Um, even though like we said, off camera, we're highly litigious in the state of California. <laughs> yeah, that's an understatement. Yeah. <laughs> so, so what I wanted to say was, you know, what would the role of a real estate attorney be in California? And then why would you want a real estate attorney and a realtor? I'm always clarifying, like, I'm a realtor. I'm not a real estate attorney because there's a big difference. Yeah, can, right. can you share a little bit around that? Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things, and this is like the baseline is the contracts that California real estate agents use throughout most of the state, you know, San Francisco is an exception, um, are developed by the California Association of Realtors. It was written by a bunch of lawyers for other lawyers. Because when you're, when you're going to sue somebody because they, you know, they didn't perform on the contract, it's written for us. It's written for other lawyers. It's not written for you, the real estate agent. It's not written for you, the client. Like, unless you know how to read this damn thing, you, you don't really know what's in there. So why would you want a real estate attorney so that you know what's in there? The other part of it is I actually have conversations with my clients when we look to the past. And we look to the future because both of those things matter when you're buying this house right now. Yeah. And you're like, but why? 
there's a whole lot of reasons why. And that's one of the things that I do as, a, as an attorney is we get to look at the whole picture, not just what's happening right now in this transaction. Right. Yeah. yeah. I, I love that because here, yeah. here's the reality of it, right? People will tell me when I prepare my counteroffers or I'm doing anything to alter the contract in any way, I refer back to item RPA 14B1, blah, 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 because you guys write it better than me. So <laughs> I literally reiterate your instruction on our documents because I'm like, I'm not going to write it better. I'm right. not the attorney, you know, and I may add to it, but I'm going to add to it in such a way that I feel confident can uh, support my client to win if they needed to. Yeah, right? totally. I mean, it, it, it's the truth. I mean, our contracts were written. They're changed almost every year. Well, and get oh, ready I mean, for December. Yeah, I know. Oh, is it big? You no, know, it's it's what? It's October 2021. Mm -hmm. The the contracts for California are going to be changing in December. Yes. And it's it's going to be a wild ride getting those things ready. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I always love January when the contracts come out. I know. Here we go again. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. So to go back to this, what does a real estate attorney specifically do here in the state of California? How could one of our clients benefit from working with you alongside us? Sure. So real estate is a big bucket. Like there's a lot of stuff that happens in real estate. It's not just buying and selling homes, right? There's landlord tenant issues. There's environmental issues. There's land development issues, right? And there are attorneys that, that, that work in each one of those little buckets inside real estate. So when you say real estate, it's a big, it's a big area of law that not everybody practices every single thing. Right. So my portion of what I do in real estate is purely transactional. So that's working on your contracts, working on your property transfers. Um, if there's a dispute, um, I'll do the, um, the mediation portion of it. Um, and most of the time that comes up in a disclosure issue where your seller doesn't disclose something that they should have. Um, and that's one of the first steps that you have to do in order to fix the problem is go through mediation. Um, so that's where I've sort of carved out my little area. And that's primarily based on my experience in on the East Coast. Right. Um, my practice in Virginia had what the equivalent of in California is escrow. We ran settlements through law firms. So it's an attorney sitting at the table. Oh. They work through, you know, preparing the preliminary title reports, reviewing it, doing the loan packages, and then actually sitting at the table with the buyers and the sellers. Yes going through the closing package. Yeah. So that's what my experience was, you know, that there's an attorney generally at the table, maybe not representing the buyer or the seller specifically, but there's an attorney looking at it from, you know, looking at the whole transaction and trying to find where are the problems. Right. Right. Stuff that the agents aren't going to necessarily know, you know, that comes up a lot of times when you're dealing with um, people who are selling property out of an estate you know, yes. so somebody who's passed away dealing with that, like there are different issues dealing with divorce, different issues. Like these are all things that an attorney can look at with a little different and critical view. Um, so that's where I, where I came from. And then I came out here and my first experience was working at an escrow company. And I was like, where are all the attorneys? 
<laughs> what do you mean? This person can prepare a grant deed, right? Yeah. In in Virginia, the there are only two people that are allowed to prepare deeds, attorneys yes. and the owner of the property, uh-huh. right? And it wasn't even being supervised by an attorney in California. So that was like, it was a it was an eye opener for me. And then sitting at that desk every single day, answering the questions that buyers and sellers are calling in with. And I'm like, sorry, can't help you. <laughs> right. And their agents like, but, and then they're like, you know, well, my agent told me to call you. And I was like, your agent can't help you either. Here's a list of attorneys. Yes. So that was like my eye opener on there's wow. a need for people to have legal services in California. It's not being met. Right. And people don't even know that they can hire an attorney. Yeah. Right. They're of one of two minds. I don't hire a real estate agent at all. Right. Or the real estate agent is the only thing that I need. Right. Which in most, you know, I'm going to do a little segue right here. So the way that I describe this, it's like being on an airplane. Mm -hmm. Your real estate attorney is the flight attendant that's doing the safety briefing. Yes. Right. What's the first thing that they say? In the unlikely event of a water landing, right? Here are your exits. Yeah. That's sort of what I do as an attorney is that in the unlikely event that you're going to have to litigate this or you're going to have to have a dispute, here's how you get out of your contract. Here's what you can do, you know, for self-help. Here's what you can do in the future. Mm -hmm. That's my job is to make sure that you know how to save yourself if this goes down. Yes. So, yeah. I, I loved what you, what you said. There's a couple of things like, um, and this was interesting to me. I had not thought about this going back to escrow services and the vesting worksheet, right? You talk about that a lot on your website. I thought that was fantastic on your YouTube channel because I always refer my clients to their CPA with regards to how they should take title. You also said like, you should talk to your real estate attorney with regards to that. I never tell him because what's cool and hip right now is everyone takes it with the rights of survivorship. That seems to be the cool and hip thing that everyone's doing right Right. now. And like, and then you do, what does that actually mean? Right. Right. What does that actually mean? And I'll guarantee you your, your CPA or your tax advisor doesn't know either. Yeah. Right? Like they'll know like, okay, survivorship. So like the other person gets it in case you die. Great. Mm -hmm. But do you actually want that to happen? Right? So the actually having the CPA as part of that conversation does make sense in certain Mm -hmm. circumstances. Yes. Because there are significant tax implications depending on how you hold the property, especially if you're married. Yes. Right? So like we can have those conversations too together with your CPA. Yes. Right? But- making sure that you're having the full conversation. Yeah. Do you want an example of where the right of survivorship thing might not be what you actually want? I would love to hear that. Yes. Okay. So <laughs> let's pretend that you're married. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's pretend that this is the second marriage for both of you. Yes. Let's also pretend that you each have children from another marriage. Yes. Okay. So you're going to buy this house And you get your form from escrow and they say, check the box. Okay. And you don't really know because you're just like, okay, check the box. This one sounds good. Yes. Yeah. Right. Husband and wife is community property with the right of survivorship. Uh Or my favorite is when they don't pick right of survivorship and they just pick community property. Yes. Okay. So let's pretend that husband and wife chose community property. Yes. You're like, what does that mean? 
Mm-hmm. What that means is the other person can will away, meaning that they can go to their estate planning attorney, prepare their will or their trust and carve out their family interest, their one half interest in that property and give it to somebody else. Yes. Okay. So those kids from the other marriage could now be the co-owners with the wife after the husband dies. Right. Does she want that? Those kids might be total jerks, <laughs> right? Those kids might actually be kids. They might be minors. And then you're dealing with an issue with minors owning real estate, which has its whole other problem. Yes. Right. So like, those are conversations that we have, like, this is, this is what will happen when you die. Like we all know we're all going to die at some point, whether it's tomorrow or 40 years from now, Yeah. but we get to have the conversations that say, you know, if you pick tenants in common, that's another fun one. Tenants in common. This is when you can do percentage ownership interests. Mm-hmm. This is also means when you die, the other person that's on title is going to own that piece of property with whoever your heirs are. Yes. Whether it's your parents, your siblings, your kids, your spouse, like actually thinking through what's going to happen in the future doesn't know what doesn't necessarily happen when you're doing this process because you right. got a lot of other stuff on your mind. Yeah. Right. You're trying to get your house packed up. You're trying to make sure that this contract goes through without it being a giant disaster. Planning for the move. Like there's just so many things that are going on. You're definitely not thinking about dying. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's the truth. Yeah. yeah. It's the truth. I mean, and and so here's like to add to that, just from my personal experiences, our personal experiences is, for example, I had a family that I've helped sell numerous properties and they came back to me and they're like, well, one third of the house is in probate. Oh, so now I'm selling one third of the house through probate while the rest of the house isn't. How does that happen, Rebecca? Yeah. So one third of the house means that they owned that property as tenants in common with somebody else. Okay. So that's the only way that you have a percentage ownership in a property. So if a third of it's being probated, meaning somebody died and they either died with a will or they died without a will, the court is dealing with making sure their property goes to wherever it needs to go. Right. So that's basically what probate is. Yeah. So what you have to do in that situation is you're looking at who am I selling? Cause you know, Lori, you can't just sell a third of a piece of property. (laughs) Right. You've got this cute little right. townhouse, right? You're going to carve a line down it and say, okay, I'm just selling this one third. You can have this floor. You can have this bedroom and that bathroom. Yeah. You can't do that. Right. So then you have to go talk to the other owners. Mm-hmm. What do you want to do with this? Do you want to buy me out? Are we all going to sell? Because here's another fun fact. You have to have everybody that's on title in most cases to transfer property. Yes. Right. So it's tricky. It, it, it is. And, and to add to that, just so that our, our um, listeners have a better understanding, these were three siblings who inherited the property, right? And so thankfully, all three siblings were in agreement and we were able to move it forward and sell it. And, and it wasn't a simple process, for sure. I mean, they didn't even choose to use a probate attorney they chose to use the family attorney who just gave them a deal and helped them out with the probate, which is another like interesting experience yeah. in itself. Yeah. Yeah. And and they're not always going to be like that, right? You're going to, you're going to be in a situation or you could be in a situation where 
you know, you inherit property from mom and dad with your three siblings and things are not so nice. Yes. <laughs> you know, or you get into the situation where somebody passes away and then you're dealing with their kids mm-hmm. and their kids' spouses. And it's just, it is not, it's not fun. So this is where having those planning conversations early can avoid major issues in the future. Yeah, I really liked it. So here's another one that you had on your website. Loved it because we get it all the time. Oh, me and my boyfriend are oh buying a house. Yeah. <laughs> or my significant other or my best friend or my this or my that. Mm-hmm. Tell S- us more siblings, about that. Sisters, oh, God. Brothers. We could do an entire episode on just that. I know. <laughs> Literally. So like if you're in this situation, if you're a woman... And I'm making this, I'm calling this specifically out. If you're a woman getting ready to buy a piece of property with a new significant other, call me. I've got a resource for you. I've got five things you need to do before you get screwed, right? (laughs) Because it's, it, it happens. It happens so often. I get that phone call probably once a month, at least. Mm -hmm. I added so-and-so to title. They're not paying the mortgage. I need to sell and she won't or he won't. Yes. Right. So like buying a piece of property with somebody that is not your spouse has its own unique challenges. Mm -hmm. You need to have a separate agreement. It's called a cohabitation agreement. And that's just a fancy word for basically a roommate agreement that says who pays for what and when. Yes. What happens when we break up or don't like each other anymore? Mm -hmm. Um, and, And like, that's just the baseline setting up that so that when you do break up, you know how to get out of that relationship because it's not going to be as simple as just walking away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. You yeah. don't just get to move out. You got no. this house and all the baggage that comes with it. Yeah. And, and all the equity that might be in it or not. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. The question that I have, and here's, here's the other thing. So let's say you're the one that owns the piece of property and you're, boyfriend or girlfriend moves in and you're like, you know, everything is wonderful. You love each other. Things are great right now. You're like, and he, you know, he's like, oh, just add me to title. Just add me to title. She's like, just add me to title. Her mom's (laughs) like, just add me to title. And you're like, it's the right thing to do because I love you so much. Right. Right. Yeah. Okay. So there's going to be two things that are going to happen. One, it's going to trigger a reassessment on your property taxes because that's not exempt. And you say, what is that? Uh-huh. In California, every time a piece of property is transferred from one person to another, it could trigger your property taxes to be reassessed unless you meet one of these like 14 or 15 different exemptions. Mm-hmm. A girlfriend, boyfriend, family member that's not your parent, all of those things are not exempt, which means <laughs> if you've owned that property for any period of time longer than, let's say, five years, you're looking at a big tax bill. Yes. Potentially a huge tax bill if you've owned that property for a really long time. Right. So that's like, that's number one. Mm-hmm. Number two is what happens when things go south? Mm-hmm. You know, Laura, you brought up the equity question. They're owners of the property, which means they're entitled to their equity, which is half of the equity in the house. Whether they've paid a dime on that mortgage or not, whether they paid anything towards the purchase price or not. They are entitled. They get half. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. We just, um, uh, we, of course, we have these experiences over and over and over again. And I see, um, 
our clients, single women who sell their houses and move in with their boyfriends, and then they take all their equity mm -hmm. and drop it in the other house that's owned and either do or don't go on title. And I'm like, oh, what are you? Are you thinking this all the way through? Right. <sighs> and this is where like we, we can come in and really help you think it all the way through. Right. Because things are great right now, but you know, that's your freaking money, right? It's your yeah. freaking money. You either worked for it. You got it from your folks when they passed away. But like, do you really want to put that into something that you don't have any control over? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's and one that really is a uh, very, uh, like I always say, okay, how am I going to have this conversation without really offending anyone so that they think like I'm trying to put the dude on the outside looking in, but here's the deal. Like I'm concerned. You're my client. I've been working with you for years and right. I helped you buy this house 10 years ago and watched you grow this equity and do all these amazing things. And now you're in love. <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with that. Like there's no. nothing wrong with being in love. It's yes. amazing. But on the legal side of it, like, damn, like make sure that you are protected. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Because, you know, there just, there's just so much stuff that can happen and mm -hmm. you need to know how to get that money out. Yes. Yes. So adding, adding on to what you just, what you just stated, right. Which was one, uh, so many parents do this. Oh, let me just put my kids on title. Mm -hmm. Woo. Scary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Let me just do that. Please talk to one, a CPA and now a real estate attorney. I didn't and even like, possibly, I don't ever even say that. So that's the new part of my conversation. And your estate planning attorney too, because yes. you know, I'll put a, I'll put a gigantic asterisk on this. A lot of times, and I'm speaking to the parents in the room of mm -hmm. adult children, it's being done as an estate planning measure. Yes. Thinking that by adding the child to title, you know, when I die, they're going to get it. No problems, no issues. You know, except you're still alive, right? You still own this property and you also assume all of the baggage of your children when you add them to title <laughs> and their spouses. <laughs> like you can't see me because we're on, on, on a uh, audio right now, but my eyes are rolled all the way back in my head. <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. I have four sons and I'm not letting them, any of them be on title of any of my property <laughs> ever. Ever. Never, ever. They will mm -hmm. inherit it. A hundred percent. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's going to require, like, let's say, you you know, you're 60 years old. You've got a kid that's 25 years old and you want to add them to title because, yeah. you know, you're planning for the future. Mm -hmm. Okay. You're 60. You still have a lot of life left in you and you want to <laughs> refinance that property. Yes. Except Sunny Boy right? He's 25. He just got out of college. He was a dummy and like racked up a bunch of credit card debt, has all these judgments that he never told you about. Oh, by the way, there's a kid that he has to pay child support for. And he mm -hmm. hasn't been paying child support. Man. All of those judgments are going to attach to all the property that you just added him to, <laughs> which means when you go to refinance, your title and escrow company are going to look at you and say, uh, Sonny boy has to pay, you know, you've got to take care of all this. We can't do anything. Yeah. 
Oh my God. Right. And then you look at him and you're like, what the heck, dude? (laughs) So like, I mean, that's like a little story, but it happens and it happens a lot. Yeah. I mean, even if they get in a car accident, right. And someone, someone happens to decide they want to go after them from that car accident, they can attach to those properties at some point. Right. So yeah, the way that that would work is, you know, you've, the list pen, a list pendants, if you've ever heard that term, it just means yeah. pending litigation. That right. only is if it, it's affecting the property, which a car accident wouldn't. Right. Um, but if they get into a car accident, they sue your son, they get a judgment against your son, they can go record that judgment and then it'll attach, which is the same thing as the credit cards, right? Yeah. Credit card company got a judgment against him and it records and attaches to all that property. Yeah. I mean, I, so I came into the business just as the market was starting to crash in 2009, 2010, 2011, right? And I negotiated through short sales because that was what I did. That was, it was, that was my market that I learned. And there, there was literally cell phone bills attached to houses that I had to like, hey, Sprint, by the way, will you settle this so we can go to close? Right. You know, so I'm, it's just, you got to think about it when you're adding people to the title of your house. Yeah. Even if it's your closest relatives, like your son, like your Mm -hmm. daughter, Yeah, right? Like you love them to death because they're your kids, but like know what you're doing. There are other ways to make sure that your children get the properties that you own. It's yes. There are like, it's, it's called a, it's called a, a, a will and a trust. In California, yeah. I'm going to do a plug to all the estate planning attorneys in California. Mm-hmm. If you own real estate in California and your proper and it's your primary residence, especially if it's your primary residence, if you don't have it in your family trust, you need to call your estate planning attorney now. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes. A hundred percent. I've just seen too many people I've watched and I've learned as I've grown in this business. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to go fix that right now (laughs) because I just see my clients go through it and I'm like, oh, that is no fun. It's no fun. Uh Uh-uh. And it costs a lot of money here in the state of California. So with that said, um, Prop 19, let's end here on Prop 19 because there was some big changes this past January, February. Can you share a little bit about that? Sure. So Prop 19, for those who don't know, it's the parent-child and grandparent-child transfer exclusions. So when you are transferring your home or a property that you own to your kids, generally, there is an exemption that does not reassess the property, property taxes. So what happened in November 2020, we Mm -hmm. voted on Prop 19, which says that if mom and dad transfer the property to son and daughter... In order for the property not to be reassessed, the son or daughter must reside in that property as their primary residence. What it also does is it excluded everything that's not a primary residence. So prior to February of 2021, mom and dad could transfer whatever real estate that they owned, whether it was a commercial building, industrial, apartment complex, whatever. They could transfer anything to the kids and it not be reassessed up to a certain threshold. It's a million dollars right now. And it wouldn't be reassessed. So now the issue is mom and dad want to transfer the property to son and daughter. Son and daughter live in Chicago. 
they're not going to occupy the property as their primary residence. They've owned the property since the eighties, you know, when the kids were little, Yes. right. They're paying, you know, a grand in property. I'm making up these numbers, guys. Of course. They're yeah. paying a grand in property taxes, you know, and the property, when they bought it in the eighties, they bought it for, let's just go with a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. Cause why not? It's, 30 something years later, property is now valued at close to a million dollars because it's Southern California and that's how <laughs> things roll here, right? Those kids are looking at a five figure tax bill. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do they want it? You know, and this is part of the, you know, do they want the property? Do they want to move back to California? Right. Yes. If you're moving from Chicago, hello, Chicago. <laughs> you want to move to Southern California. So it might not be a problem, right? But like, yeah. Other people might not want to move back here. Mm-hmm. It you is. You have to plan. You do. Yeah. Right. And you can take care of a lot of that stuff when you do your estate plan work. Um, now for like, if it's not a primary residence, if it's an investment property or the other thing is like, it totally carved out the grandparent exclusion. Mm-hmm. So if grandma and grandpa wanted to transfer the property to their grandchild, they can no longer do that at all. Yes. So that, that was another big one. Yeah. I, I saw all the changes cause it just happened in January. I had a client who called me and he was like, Hey, remember 11 years ago when I called you and said, I was going to call you when my mom died and I was going to need you to sell my house. And I was like, wow, I haven't heard from you in 11 years. That's awesome. Thank you for calling. I'm so sorry. Mom died. I said, and by the way, prop 19 just changed can you call your attorney right now? And he was like, oh, okay. And he did. And like immediately he had to make some quick shifts. Yeah. 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 And there are some, this, there are some, they, they base it on the date of death. So if you Mm -hmm. haven't transferred mom and dad's property and they died prior to the enact, before this was adopted, giant asterisks, you, you might be okay. Talk to an attorney, estate planning, probate, real estate attorney to determine whether or not you can still take advantage of this. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, now you're just stuck with what it is, right? It's not forever. It might not be forever. You know, they might change it again. Um, But that's what we are. That's what we're dealing with right now is that that limitation on what parents can do with their children and the property taxes. Yeah, I just think about all of it because I own multiple properties and I have multiple children who will be inheriting them. And I'm like, I need to go see my estate planning attorney again. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, maybe and possibly a business attorney. I know you do work with some investors and, you know, making sure that your investment of properties are titled correctly is also hugely important. You know, for liability purposes and for tax purposes, you know, I'm not a tax attorney or a CPA, but you know, there's tax implications on everything, right? Like that's just a given. Yeah. But making sure that your investment properties are also titled correctly is really important, not only for you and, you know, your current situation, but planning, you know, for your four kids. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just, I mean, our 30 minutes is up and it's like, there's so much information. Well, I'll just have to come back and hang out with you and Amy again. Yeah, a hundred percent, a hundred percent, because I'm just like, oh my gosh, there is, we can just continue this conversation because one, I love having these type of conversations because we're learning so much and that's what this is here. So Rebecca, 
Your YouTube channel, your website has so much information. We're going to keep your information on file for our clients to send them your way because you, I can tell, just want to teach in a way and help people in a way that most aren't willing to do. So I appreciate that so much. Yeah. And um, I would love for you to just tell everyone where can they find you? Sure. 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 So my website is www.yourhomelegal.com. On all of our social channels, it's at Your Home Legal. We're on all of them, you know, YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, like Facebook, all of them. We're there. Um, I mentioned earlier, if you're a woman buying a property with a significant other who's not your spouse and you're contributing any money, seriously get in any one of my inboxes. I have a resource for you. Um, on things that you can do in order to protect yourself in that process. Yeah. Yeah. Lori and Amy, thank you so much for having me. Thank you. It it was a pleasure. We're so thankful and grateful to have you on. I mean, I learned so much more just in this short period of time. And I learned a ton in watching just your videos yourself, like your little short one minute, two minute videos. You keep it easy and to the point, which just makes it, very, very user-friendly for yeah. people because they, honestly, oh, like we didn't even talk about CCNRs because I have a client right now that's <laughs> buying a house with CCNRs and he's so stressed <laughs> about them. Oh, so much to talk about, Rebecca. We'll talk about him offline. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you again, Rebecca. We really, really appreciate our time with you. Thanks, Lori. Thanks, Amy. Thank Thanks. you. I'm Lori Alvarez and you've been listening to Real Estate with Soul, the podcast. You can follow me and check me out on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and LoriAlvarez.net. And if you haven't clicked on that subscribe button, hit it now and let's boldly do life together.